0: Hello, Sue Jimmy
1: Where the hell are you?
0: (laughs) I'm uh, in a place called um, Venasque Which is in the south of France Near Avignon You remember all those years ago We went to the Cannes Film Festival And we took a day off And went up into the mountains
1: Yep Oh gosh, it was beautiful I remember that very well
0: Well, that's kind of where I am now
1: Oh no And you're not with me?
0: Uh, Obviously, no (laughs) You're back in Sydney (laughs) See, I'm doing a travel piece about hiking in this area Oh, wow That's my excuse
1: And you're with your friend Kieran
0: Yes, and uh, we've just realised how mountainous the area is
1: Oh, no (laughs) And we had enough
0: trouble climbing the six flights of stairs to get to our rooms
1: Oh, my God! that's probably good training because I don't think you did enough training when you were still here, did you really?
0: Well, we'll find out tomorrow uh, when I do my first <laughs> when we do oh, our first hike.
1: And how long is the hike?
0: Five days. and you know, it's an average of about uh, twelve to fifteen ks a day, but mm. it's a lot of hills, a lot, mm, a lot yeah. of hills. Yeah. We can see the Mount bontu, which is, the big giant hill that turns up in the tour de france every year and terrifies the riders so what's well, terrifying us i can tell you
1: <laughs> wow okay and, well and we're just
0: to- we're just looking at it yes as you were going to say so what's been happening in housing and what are we going to talk about
1: Well, first of all, we're going to we're going to have a quick look at the federal budget and decide what's in the federal budget for housing. Did it go far enough in helping people Uh um, and helping with the housing shortage? Really, yeah. And we're also looking at um, a council in Sydney, which is talking about pushing. It's talking about taxing homes that left vacant. That's already happened in in Victoria, but they're talking about that now here. Yeah, And uh, there's been an interesting story about a seven-year battle between a strata building in Sydney and a council to remove a dangerous tree.
0: Okay, sounds good. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the Flat Chat column for the Australian Financial Review.
1: And I'm Sue Williams, and I write about property for Domain.
0: And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. Okay, well, I kind of lost touch a little bit with what's been going on in Australia because I've just spent the past four days in Paris. So, uh, what's what's, what's happening for you? <laughs> what's <laughs> happened in the budget that's changed the landscape for housing?
1: Well, I guess everybody was looking to this budget to be a real cost of living budget and to really help with the housing shortage, because I think the housing crisis is uppermost in many people's minds, really. And the budget did a few things. I mean, it had an increase, a huge increase in welfare, 9.5 billion increase in welfare. Um, And a lot of that was rental assistance. And there was also increases to the dole and single parent payments and some energy bill discounts. So that's going to help the hardest off in Australia, which is fantastic, I think, um, because, you know, Those people who are renting are having a really tough time. Those people who are renting and don't have a decent income, oh, my God, how do they make ends meet? But even though there is an increase in in rent assistance, it means that they'll only receive a 15% increase in a fortnightly payment, which adds up to a maximum rise of $31 a fortnight, which doesn't sound very much when you're looking at rents going up. You know, we're hearing about rents going up by $100 a week. $300 Three hundred dollars a week, incredible rises. So, yeah, I mean, the government sort of said they're going to try and help, but is it enough? Really, rents in fourteen point six percent they've gone up in Perth over the last year, and eleven percent so, in Melbourne, ten percent in Sydney. It's pretty hard.
0: So, what's happened with this ten billion dollar housing input thing, where they were going to build all these houses over the next five years?
1: Well, nothing much has been said about that. Basically, there is. um, I guess the showpiece of the budget was a boost to the build-to-rent sector, um, and that includes tax breaks for foreign investors to encourage them to inject more money into that housing sector because they're the ones who are building most of the build-to-rent, not all of it, because um, Australian developers like Mervac are really getting into that. It's interesting because it's still only a tiny section of homes, the build-to-rent, but it is a $17 billion industry and developers now say because of these tax breaks, they'll build an additional 150,000 units, which is fantastic. And they're mostly going to be in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, all the big capital cities, really. Yeah. And for, for for renters, it is a bit of a game changer because you have longer term security of tenure, which is which is something that a lot of tenants really, really want. And they have much more freedom to make rented properties their homes and and often better amenities. I mean, we went to see one, didn't we? And it had a fantastic pool and a gym and yep, had a yep. playroom for kids and had a working from home space. It was it was pretty amazing. But the downside is that they're often more expensive than those on the private market. And they don't do anything to help increase the stock of affordable housing for, for people like nurses and teachers and firefighters and police officers you know, the people who are really vital to the well-being of the rest of us. And, of course, it would take a while for that supply to come through. I mean, it'd probably take at least two years, probably three years for those um, build-to-rent units to come through as well. But, But you know, it is a good thing.
0: But we had in the website the other day a piece by Julie McLean from SCA Victoria asking who's going to manage all these disparate uh, demographics when they're all put together in a strata scheme, when you have owner occupiers, you have investors, you have tenants, you have affordable tenants, and you have social tenants. All these different groups are going to be thrown together. And the only people who are left to manage them are strata committees. I mean, it does seem like it hasn't really been thought through. Do you think that's true?
1: I'm not so sure I agree, because with the build- to rent sector, you actually get professional managers of every building, right and they're the people who kind of look after everything, who who organize any kind of um, repairs that need to be done, who organize community events, who kind of try and create a sense of um well-being and a sense of community community in these buildings. So there's actually a lot more being done for these than in the private rental sector. So, I, I think it's a really promising way for the future.
0: Right. But it's going to be two or three years down the track,
1: isn't it? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to still have to wait. And there wasn't much in the budget to you know, increase the supply in the meantime, really. The good thing was with the budget as well, I suppose, is that there was a budget surplus. And that was the first time in 15 years. And the yeah. good thing about that is that it kind of creates a bit more confidence in the economy, And hopefully Uh then we won't see many more interest rate rises. Maybe we won't see any more. Well, that
0: would would be good. That would be excellent. Uh Um, Right. Well, we've got limited time because I am halfway up a mountain in the south of France. So (laughs) do you you want to talk about the council that wants to put a tax on empty houses uh, maybe after this break? Okay, which is the council, Sue, in Sydney that say they want to put a tax on empty houses?
1: Um, This is the Inner West Council, and they've discovered they've got about 10% of their housing stock is vacant. So they're suggesting that there be an additional land tax um, on on these vacant homes, and they'll also want to do things like ban no-fault evictions, Right. Which I think would be a fabulous idea, and lengthen tenancy periods to up to 10 years right. charge higher rates to retail landlords who keep shop fronts empty because we all know how miserable it is walking along a high street and um, it's just rows and rows of empty shops. And, that, you know, we've seen that so much after COVID, really. But yep. the, the main thing is is the homes, the vacant home tax. I, I think this is an excellent idea. Um, Victoria introduced that in 2018, to help yeah. address a lack of housing supply. And I think this is a fantastic lead from the West Council. I mean, it's a shame that it's not a statewide initiative, really, and that it's not a national initiative, because you think this year it's going to be really hard because there are so many more migrants coming into Australia because we really need skilled migrants, so yeah. we're boosting the number. And I reckon there's going to be 1.5 million extra people arriving to 2027 which is a lot of people, so that's really going to exacerbate the housing shortage because where are all these people going to live? So I think initiatives like this are really promising for the future, especially looking at the people coming in.
0: But let's face it, this is a council in Western Sydney. They don't have the power to put that tax on, do they? And they certainly don't have the power to change the terms of rental agreements, or, or am I missing something?
1: No, I think, I think the council can really push for the power to be able to do this. They're asking for the state to allow them to do this. Uh, right. It's, it's interesting because it is a, a push that other people are joining as well. There's another um, Sydney council, Lane Cove Council, um, which has been calling for reforms to permit higher council rates or land tax on empty homes as well. So if this kind of increases, it will be great to see that pressure make the government do something. But yeah. the,
0: government's, the government has shown no signs of wanting to do it. And it is a state government decision. It's not a local council decision.
1: That's right, Yep, yeah. And the government is still kind of balking at doing anything like this. But it's interesting because other people are kind of joining the push. I mean, we've got the University of New South Wales, the housing research and policy professor, Hal Paulson, who's an incredibly respected commentator on housing, and he's offered support for for a vacancy tax as well. So it's kind of all putting a bit more pressure on the government. So hopefully, you know, they will start considering it as well. The Tenants Union of New South Wales support it. And I mean, obviously, the Real Estate Institute of New South Wales doesn't support it, but then they wouldn't, would they really?
0: No, they wouldn't.
1: Um, (laughs) But I think An increasing, a louder chorus of voices are asking for these kind of things, and and maybe they'll push um, the government over the edge and they'll start thinking, well, you know, we can't continue like this. 10% of homes being vacant in one council area, that's incredible.
0: So am I thinking, am I right in thinking that people invested in the property they can't be bothered with the hassle of of renting them out to people, so they're just happy to sit in them, benefit from the capital growth, uh, the that's value right. of the, the property.
1: Yeah, that's right. So they they're kind of speculative investments, really. They're just doing that because they want to keep them for the long term, but they're not too bothered about earning extra money from them. They might have a, another house somewhere, to, or they might have few other houses somewhere else. This might be their bolt hole from their main home in the Southern Highlands or down the coast or something, but it's only used occasional weekends. So it's vacant nearly all the time. So yeah, the rest of us can't really afford that, I don't think. We need these homes.
0: Because it's also leaving the area, it's denuding them of the people who could be living there and contributing to the local economy.
1: Sure, absolutely. And what must it be like to be living next door to empty homes? It would be really dispiriting, I think. You know, you don't have any neighbours, you don't. You can't chat to your It's interesting, now you've gone, Jimmy, you do all the cooking, as you know. Yeah. My fantastic next-door neighbour in our apartment building gave me some food yesterday. Oh,
0: she, <laughs> she made a big
1: quiche and gave me half of the quiche and it was delicious. So it can be great having wonderful neighbours. And um, if you don't have any neighbours at all, it can be really miserable.
0: Well, I can tell you sitting here halfway up a mountain in the south of France in a nice little uh, village, perched village as they're called, there's not an awful lot of people around who aren't visitors staying in hotels. There's Mm. lots of little houses and little apartments. Not a lot of activity because people buy these properties, uh, holiday homes, second homes. And mm. they go away, you know, it's Sunday night and everybody's left.
1: Mm. It's so a shame, s- isn't it?
0: Yeah, it, it mean, is.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, people can make probably make quite a good living on people like you coming there and, and staying there if they rent them out on Airbnb and those similar kind of short-stay platforms. Just, and it means there's that- just not many locals left.
0: I'd just like to point out that I am not in an Airbnb. Good, good. I'm staying in a hotel. <laughs> sure. So, a very charming hotel. Um,
1: but there would I, be many other homes there which aren't yeah. just let out, wouldn't they? Yeah. You can see them a, with
0: shutters over the windows and everything. And you think, yeah, these, these places will be empty until the Airbnb guests or the owners come back. Um, mm. And it's kind of mm. sad, but it's very mm. beautiful. I don't know what it would take, uh, one council saying that this needs to be done. It does seem to me that this Labour government we've got in New South Wales, we had a lot of high hopes for them to get to grips with this stuff. They don't they seem, seem to seem be doing anything.
1: No, they seem to be incredibly cautious. Timid um, is
0: the word I would use. Yeah,
1: timid, yeah. That is a good word, yeah. yeah. Well, let's hope that they, they're forced into a corner and they kind of end up having to do something.
0: I think they need to grow a pair, I think is the phrase, <laughs> uh, the appropriate phrase.
1: Or put uh, their wait. big boy pants on, as David Chandler would say.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They're slightly sexist, but uh, it, it's harmless, I think. Is there anywhere in the world where they have put a tax on empty houses that has made a difference?
1: Um, yes. Harold Porson talks about this being in Vancouver in Canada. It was a 5% tax on empty homes, and that had raked in millions of dollars and returned more than 4,000 homes to the market.
0: Right. So that's a
1: really good precedent, isn't it, really? That's a very good example to to outline.
0: That's a win-win.
1: It really is, yeah.
0: Okay, and on that note, uh, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the council that's in dispute with a strata scheme over a tree. It's after this. (laughs) Okay, so where is the council that is locked in a death struggle with a strata scheme over a killer tree?
1: (laughs) I think that's overstating it just a little, Jimmy. (laughs) Um, It's in Darlinghurst, so it's the city of Sydney, and it's a strata building, and it's um, a big blue gum tree, and it's in a kind of a, a flower bed, which is on the strata scheme's property, but it's always been maintained by the council. So they kind of always feel that the council has responsibility for it. Right. And this tree has been dropping a lot of branches on neighbours. Right. So it's, it's been damaging sorry, not on the actual neighbors, but on neighbors' properties. Right. <laughs> so it's been damaging the footpath and creating cracks in the floor and the wall of the garage next door and the courtyard next door for the last seven years and the roots of blocked the drain and so... So, so it's it a big old range. tree, isn't
0: it? It's a, it's a mm. big old tree and it's one of these trees they call the widow maker because it will yes. just suddenly drop a big heavy branch and if somebody happens to be underneath it, it's their tough luck.
1: Mm. Yep, that's absolutely right. And so I think most people around this tree would like to see it gone because it is so dangerous. But yeah. the strata buildings say, well, you know, the council was always trimmed the tree and always looked after it and always kind of claimed responsibility, so they should be the ones who pay for its removal. And the right. council is saying, no, it's on strata property, so therefore they should um, pay for the removal. And then it so, becomes really difficult because the council still has to give permission for removal, and it puts quite onerous conditions on on that removal as well.
0: Right. So, but it's basically a bunch of bureaucrats in the council who can't really see that people in strata are are actually people. They, I'm sure, they're sitting there going, "Oh, this is an owners corporation, and therefore it's a company. Therefore, we're dealing with faceless people, just like ourselves."
1: Mm, yeah absolutely and it's really hard because the apartment building the apartment's building has spent about $8000 to rectify the damage
0: yeah they've
1: spent a lot of money on getting reports done um yeah. and they still can't convince the council to actually do anything really they just want to convince the council the trees dangerous and causing all this damage and neighbors of their building are really outraged at, at what what's happening but they just can't convince the council to to do anything really
0: I mean, that's a really tough one because the council doesn't want to pay for it, okay, that's a just a financial legal thing, but they also are making it difficult for the the tree to be removed in in the first place they mm. just just somebody needs to just sit them down and say, Do you realize sooner or later somebody's going to get killed or badly injured?" by this tree, and it's costing this strata scheme a lot of money. Why don't you just do the sensible thing and cut the bloody thing
1: down? Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the lawyers say, say, oh, they can all go to the Land and Environment Court. But, you know, they have a division dedicated to tree disputes, which I've never realised before. But the (laughs) thing is, that becomes very expensive, and it takes a long, long time as well. I mean, surely common sense would say, let's get rid of this tree, let's find a, another kind of tree to put in there instead, and um, let's just work it out now and and get something done this week.
0: But you see, we know all about these stories about rich people poisoning the trees in front of their big fabulous houses so that they can get improved v- views. Maybe mm. they could ask the rich people to get their tree poisoners to come in <laughs> in the dead of night.
1: Well, then the tree well, the tree would fall down then, wouldn't it, really? Because it would kind of die and wither, and then it would fall down.
0: Yeah, but at some point the council would say, well, this is dangerous tree, uh, this poison tree, this widow-maker <laughs> tree, uh, we're going to get the chainsaws out.
1: Yeah, you'd hope so, wouldn't you, really? Yeah, but, you know, you do sympathise with people in, in this situation. It just seems a ridiculous bureaucratic bungle that, that nobody's doing anything whatsoever. And why doesn't the council just say to the strata building, okay, let's go halves on getting rid of the tree even, you know, we'll raise half the cost and you pay for half the cost. Well, we'll provide the labour and you buy a new tree to put in its place, something much safer.
0: But then they'd have to give permission to remove the tree in the first place.
1: Mm.
0: Sounds like another bunch of bureaucrats need a pair of big boy pants.
1: (laughs) Absolutely.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, um, it's nearly midnight here in the south of France. Um, the next time we speak, I will be in Avignon. Okay, um,
1: you'll have done your walk by then, won't you? You'll have if, either survived uh, yeah, or uh, yeah. not.
0: <laughs> if, if, if I have survived, that is where okay. I'll be.
1: So um, if it's me alone doing the podcast next week, we know the worst has happened.
0: <gasps> yes. Uh, people will be writing in saying, oh, please, let that happen.
1: Get, oh. J- get,
0: get Jimmy to sit under the Widowmaker tree no, for a bit.
1: No, no, no. Okay. Well, have a great time, Jimmy. And oh, well. um, it's great that you're keeping tabs on strata even while you're in such a, a beautiful, distant place.
0: It's uh yeah, you know me. It's an obsession. Um <laughs> thanks for being there at the other, other end of this call, Sue. And,
1: Thanks, everyone, for listening.
0: Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Rap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flatchat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favourite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Rap. With a W, click on subscribe and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week.